equity or uh, with revenue sharing structure. Um, and, and we've seen that that works best because, um, again, now it, 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 you, you have to, when, when you have a, a big staff, I've seen company going out of business because they run out of money. Yeah. Right. Uh, especially in the tech space, you know, tech, tech takes a long time to monetize, especially in Africa. It takes a long time to build a sustainable model. So you, you, you have to keep raising and I've seen people have huge teams, but after two, three years, they, they, they are unable to raise more money and then they close down. So I did not want to go through that route. So I structure my, uh, my team through partnerships. That's quite interesting. It's something new that I've learned today. And uh, so if I'm, Welcome to Making in Africa podcast. I'm your host, Tati Mondo. Today we have Henry Nyakarundi. He's the founder and CEO of Ari Group in Rwanda. For over 10 years, Henry has been a well-respected voice on entrepreneurship in Africa, renewable energy, innovation, and technology. As a mentor speaker, strategist on social entrepreneurship in Africa, he was able to shed some light on some of the challenges in the African marketplace and the key solutions needed to solve some of those challenges we encountered today as a continent, such as unemployment, lack of access to energy, and access to smart funding. Thanks for doing this with me today, Henry. Well, thanks for inviting me and uh, giving me the opportunity for this interview. You're welcome. And uh, so what made you become an entrepreneur? What made you become an entrepreneur? Well, I've been, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time now. I, I started my entrepreneurship uh, journey in, uh, in the States, actually, in, in 2000. That was my, uh, my introduction to entrepreneurship. But I always, um, I always had a, a, um, an interest in doing things that I, I have better control of instead of working for somebody else. You know, some people just like challenges and 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 they like to to try new thing, be in control, be their own boss. That was really where uh, my journey started. I, I was not very good at being an employee, uh, so the only option I had was to be an entrepreneur. Okay, uh, and at some point, did you get a nine to five, or just as soon as you graduated from college? Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. Oh, of course, of course. I mean, you you don't. I, I, it took me ten years to build my first successful business, so. Uh, in, in, in between, uh, I had a lot of jobs, man. Uh, just like everybody else, man. I, I did valet. Uh, I was parking car for a little while. Yeah. Uh, I cleaned carpet for, for like three months. Uh, I did a lot of odd jobs. I worked for Kinko's, worked for Staples. I did all kinds of jobs. Oh, I, I get you. So when you built, you built your businesses, did you start it as a side hustle or you started them as full-time? How, how did you start? How did that, that process start for you? I always started full-time, but oh, yeah. uh, I always try to start full-time. But, you know, in the beginning, you start full-time. The business does not bring any money. Then you have to go get a job. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, so, yeah. So, uh, but I always try to, start full-time and, and make the business my full-time gig. Uh, that was always uh, uh, the initial idea, but it never worked out. Well, never. It didn't work out in the beginning like that. And that's why I always did jobs to feed the business. That was always the the, uh, the way I was doing it. 
Uh, okay. Would you would you advise people to like just go ahead and uh, you know if you have a nine to five, like just stop the nine to five and focus on starting your business on on your business full time, or you'd say like you you you'd advise people to just you know have have your business as a side hustle first when you start bringing in money. That's when you can, uh, you can, you you can quit your nine to five job. What what do you think on that? It it, it really depends on on the person. You know mm-hmm. what I've learned with time is everybody's different. Uh, the people's appetite to risk varies, right? Yeah, I'm a, I'm very risk you know adverse. I, li- I like to take risk. I like to to try my 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 chance and and believing in my skill sets. So I always jump in. I'm I'm never been the guy who. You know, when you when when you're about to jump in the pool, the pool is cold. You have different type of people. You have people <laughs> that try to, you know, they try the water with their feet. Yeah, and they think about okay, the best way to get in. And me, I, I always been the jumper. I just jump and figure out how to swim, and 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 take over the cold as as I'm in the water. So it depends on the people. And then you have people that entrepreneurship is not for them. You know, entrepreneurship is highly uh, uh, stressful. That's true. Uh, it's it's highly stressful because uh, you're basically responsible for your own income. You're responsible for everything, and and that that brings a lot of stress and responsibilities uh, that some people cannot handle. Some people prefer to get a paycheck and work for somebody else uh, who started a business already. So entrepreneurship is definitely not for everybody. But I would tell people if they want to get started and, and the, just get a job and, and try entrepreneurship part-time. But at the same token, you do something part-time, you get part-time results. Uh, you I, can't expect um, to be successful. I mean, I, at least for me personally, I've yet to meet anybody who became extremely successful uh, giving part-time uh, uh, in, in a business. I get you. I, I understand what you're saying. But I also have a different thought on, uh, you know, taking entrepreneurship uh, food to five job because the, the, the risk is that if you're going to use a, your, uh, like uh, the thing that you do in your business, as a, a, it might become your nine to five in terms of that, like you don't have so much money coming in, like your nine to five was bringing in money. So when your business starts bringing in money, now you're taking money out of your business to pay some bills. So that business at some point might become a nine to five to you. I don't know if I'm making sense with that. Did, did you get where I'm trying to come from, where, where, where I'm coming from? Yeah, for sure. But it depends also on the type of business you, you, you're doing. I mean, there's some business that can bring returns much, much quicker. There's yeah. other business, you know, it's going to take a long time for you to, 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 to get a return because you, you're building the whole infrastructure. So there's a lot of variables in business. There's a lot of variables. And then also you have business, people that do consultancies. Yeah. It's actually a part of the business also. So that is a little bit different because it's based on your skill sets um, direct. So it, it varies. It varies. You just have to really uh, uh, do your homework and you know, your due diligence and and then, but you have to be honest with yourself. That's really what the most important part about business. You have to know your strength and know your weakness. A lot of people are not honest with themselves, and they do things uh, hoping, or, 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 or you know, hoping, or, and 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 that things going to work out, or uh, you know, they're, they're expecting luck is going to come, uh, you know, their way. So that that's a problem. Yeah. Um, if you're honest with yourself, you're honest with your your, your strength and weakness, it'll minimize your risk of failure, for sure. I, I like the sound of that. 
Uh, so what does your company do? Uh, it's, it's called Ari Group. Did I pronounce that right? Is that, is that correct? Red Group, yes, correct. Uh, okay, so what does Ari Group do? So we we are technology for for social good uh, overall. So we we're building a platform as a service company. So our, our main goal is uh, we we develop a solution to facilitate access to digital services and offline online um, digital applications for low income people in rural areas, semi urban area, using a technology we develop, which is the solar kiosk and a a high-capacity router solution. Um, so the, the, the concept is very simple. Digitization is growing really, really fast in Africa. Uh, unfortunately, low-income people don't have the same access to those digital services and, and, and digital access than middle class and upper class. And the main reason is because of costs, uh, poor access to energy. So our technology kind of answer to all those problematics. Um, and our focus, as I said, is mostly low-income people, rural areas, semi-urban area, even refugee camps. Interesting. I like that, man. Uh, so well, what made you get, uh, get to get, start that business? What made you think of solving that problem? Uh, what was your motivation behind it? My, my, my first motivation is I wanted to get back. First, I wanted to move back to Africa. Yeah. Um, that was my motivation in so in 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 um, well, I moved here in 2013, but after the crash of 2008 in the states, I, I realized it was time for me to come back home. Oh, okay. But I wanted to come back uh, with a with a plan. So um, I did a lot of research, and um, uh, at that time, um, what was big was uh, energy access to 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 energy for for people in Africa. So I was looking for innovative ways to bring solution. Uh, so I started in the renewable energy sector by developing this solar kiosk. The digital uh, aspect of the business came after, after work. But initially, I just wanted to come back home, and I wanted to come back home with a plan. And I saw a huge opportunity in rural areas, semi-urban area. The majority of most businesses in Africa is focused to the middle class and upper class. That's true. But very few people focus to the to the majority which is 70 percent of the population yeah. which is the what we call the base of the pyramid mm -hmm. and because it's a very challenging marketplace uh the the bop so most people prefer the i won't say the easy route but the less stressful route yes. and i've always liked challenges so i was like what, what the heck why not so that's that's how it all started how did you get funding for that business? Did you save some money whilst you, you were working uh, on other things here in the States or you, you found some ways to go around the funding part of the business? Yeah, so I, my previous business uh, was, was, was kind of successful. So okay. I was able to self-fund uh, myself for the first two years of the business. Uh, and uh, most of the funding went into product development and software development. But... Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I started self-funding and then um, what I learned quickly was uh, technology development is very expensive. So after two years, I ran out of money and I started looking for money. Uh, for uh, In the beginning, I started looking for grants, which yeah. I did find. And then after that, we, we, we got some VC money uh, and we still, we're actually in the middle of uh, a round right now. 
Nice. So, so with VC money and uh, all those grants, are they readily available in Rwanda, or it's a challenge for those who come to to come by? Now, you know, um, for those who don't know, man, I, I, uh, being an African entrepreneur, um, it's it's extremely challenging. Okay. Because um, our, our government, and when I talk about our government, I'm talking about African government. Okay. You know that in Africa, for example, there is no government grant program funded by our government to fund innovation. Most, if not all the grants that exist in Africa are funded by Western uh, government. That's number one. Number two, research and development is not something, it's not the top priorities of most African countries. And then number three, um, you, 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 you see a lot of foreign technology and foreign companies or foreign entities coming in Africa and they get much better support from their country uh, than we do uh, locally. So it, it's, it's the ecosystem of whether it's funding, implementation and all that is it's still very fragmented and still very problematic. And you. because of that, it's extremely challenging for us local entrepreneurs. Ah, I get you. And uh, it seems like your business has been successful so far in Rwanda. Why haven't you scaled it, like, uh, you know, expand to countries like uh, Zimbabwe, South Africa, and all of those countries? Because I think your service is much needed over there. The solution that you're solving over in Rwanda, it's pretty much a problem ever in Africa. Why haven't you scaled your business as of yet? So we, we did scale, actually. I know oh, we okay. don't talk about it that much because uh, I mean it's just it's not something we, we, we promote but we, we, we scale we, we've been in Uganda for two years nice. we, we started in Nigeria uh, last month oh, that's uh, awesome. we'll be in Ethiopia in about uh, probably at mid to 2020 oh, okay. um, so we, we did sc- actually Rwanda is not as successful as, as Uganda for example if you're talking about returns Rwanda yeah. is a very small market uh it also had its challenge and benefits, okay. but uh, Rwanda is a great place to do piloting and testing. And remember, we spent four and a half years developing this technology. When you deal with hardware, we are a hardware and software company. Yeah. So when you develop hardware, uh, it's much different t- uh, cycle than uh, software. Uh, it's a much longer cycle of development. And you cannot just launch a company, uh, a hardware or product, a physical product with just an MVP, uh, minimum valuable product. It has to be well tested. It has to make sure that there's no, it's not going to cause damages to the users, et cetera, et cetera. So the life cycle, I mean, the, the cycle, the development cycle of a, of a hardware company, it's much longer. That's why you see most investors prefer investing in software company than hardware and software. So those are the, 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 the reason why it took us a long time. I mean, uh, if you look at our website, the kiosk you see on our website, current website, is our fourth generation kiosk. So, and every generation takes a minimum a year uh, to a year and a half from development to testing and all those things. So just to give you an idea mm. of the timeline it takes before you can even monetize and and build a business around it. So it's it's a it's a way different ballgame uh, hardware. And we're the only hardware company uh, that develop a hardware product from uh, from zero to, from A to, to Z. Uh, so you don't see also that's another problem. You don't see that many hardware company in Africa. Most of the hardware company come from overseas or China. 
Interesting. So I, uh, on that, how were you able to scale to Uganda? What made you, uh, like, you know, have the confidence to be like, I think I can be successful in Uganda. Did you have some people that you knew there or what was the process or your process of thinking with that? Again, uh, you know, as as we spoke earlier, I'm yeah. I'm a jumper, right? Yeah, I like I that. I just pull and I, I figure things out as we go. The reason why I selected Uganda is a much bigger market. It was a very dynamic market. I've been there a few times before that. I, I've I, I've been traveling across Africa while I was uh, operating in Rwanda. So I I knew I, I liked the 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 ecosystem, the entrepreneurial ecosystem of Uganda. They're very entrepreneurial. Uh, they're very aggressive. And I wasn't wrong, but of course, I made a lot of mistakes when I'm implementing there. But that's just the way. You have to jump and figure out the problem because problem will come. Yeah. It don't matter if you sit down and do a, a 10-year research. When you implement something, it's a whole nother ball game. So you're going to have the different challenges. So instead of spending so much time on research, market research and all, I just like to implement and figure things out. And I learned a lot. Uh, because of that experience in Uganda, we, we redesigned our expansion plan because of that experience. So that was very helpful uh, for the long-term game. Interesting. So I, I think from that, you're just saying, like, uh, instead of spending on market research, you're the person who will be like, okay, I'm just going to jump in it and get your experiences. And, you know, uh, all my losses are just learning towards uh, learning how to do this thing properly. Is, is, is that what you're saying in other words? Yeah, I mean, do do a basic research, but don't spend yeah. too much time on it. I've seen companies that spend six months to a year doing market research. Now, of course, if you're going to spend uh, millions and millions of dollars, then yes, I mean, uh, you have to do uh, a strong research. But at the same time, the research will not give you all the detail that you need until you implement that pro that 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 business on the ground. So I have a balance. Me, I always say, if you're spending more than three months on market research, that's just too much. Um, so do basic research, uh, market research, but also go ahead and implement. I like that. Uh, and from what you're doing, it seems like uh, there, there's a lot involved. In, I mean, from the software part of things, from the hardware part of things, and to the marketing aspect of things. Do you have a team? And if you do, how did you manage to build that team? Yeah, so my, my philosophy in team is partnership. Okay. Uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, hiring a bunch of people on staff. Uh, so I do a lot of partnership. Um, so we do have a team. We, we, part of our team is our, is our current, uh, some of our uh, current uh, investors that also participate in our expansion. Uh, we do have a, a core team, uh, which is our CTO, uh, what does CTO uh, stand for? What does CTO stand for? Sorry, uh, Chief Technical Officer, uh, oh, the okay. person who is in charge of uh, of all the, the the software development and all. We have a, a technician on the ground. We have a business development on the ground. So our core team is about four people, and we have a software an engineer also on the ground. But everybody else. Uh, are partners. They partners, and we we structure our partnership either with equity or uh, with revenue sharing structure. Um, and, and we've seen that that works best. Because, um, again, now uh, it, 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 you, you have to, when, when you have a, a big staff, I've seen companies going out of business because they run out of money. Yeah. Right. Uh, especially in the tech space. You know, tech, tech takes a long time to monetize, especially in Africa. It takes a long time to build a sustainable model. So 
you 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 have to keep raising and i've seen people have huge teams but after two three years they, they they're unable to raise more money and then they close down so i did not want to go through that route so i structure my uh my team through partnerships that's quite interesting it's something new that i've learned today and uh, so if i'm from like i'm from zimbabwe and then i want to you know i want to partner with you uh, because i think this is a brilliant idea so how do i go around doing it so actually we on our website we have a, a partnership tabs you can check but the way it is we license our technology oh, okay. so uh, you the partner is in charge of implementing monitoring and maintaining the technology on the ground and looking for clients and all and we support them on the technology updates upgrades and all that because we understood that there is no way that a, a one company can understand the whole uh, ecosystem of Africa. Every country has its own ecosystem, its own challenges, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So the partner, the local partner, understand the ecosystem much, much better uh, than, than, than us. So why, instead of trying to fight, learn that ecosystem, go through all that trouble, why not just merge into a partnership where they take care of a certain role and our role will be more technical to update, upgrade the technology and work much, much efficiently with the partner. Wow, that's really brilliant. And uh, so, so if I, if I want to partner, is there like an initial investment that I need to have in order to get the licensing or the licensing is free? And then at some point, you know, once I start making money, you guys have to take out a percentage. How, how, how does that work? Yeah, so so of course the partner has to uh, show that they have experience in business. At least they have a company for at least three years. Okay. They have access to capital because it's, it's it is it we require capital to implement the the technology on the ground because we're building a a network, right? A distribution yeah. network. So to build distribution, you you need some type of capital, uh, and also the, the 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 business, the company we partner with, we usually require them. Uh, to show us um, some of the, the the that they've been in business that they are they are they don't have to be extremely successful but they have to understand the ecosystem they have to be well connected. Africa is about connection more yeah. than any other uh, places I've been. Uh, you you can bring a great product in Africa, the best product, and somebody else bring a terrible product. But if that person who's bringing a terrible product is very well connected, it will be more successful than you. So um, we've, we've learned that connection is very important. Um, and then, yeah, the licensing is not free. You pay a, a small fee of uh, $5,000 that guarantee that the license uh, for at least five years. Oh. Um, and then you implement the technology and we support you on that implementation, obviously. So we, we, there's a training that we provide to you uh, for a week about not just the technology, but what we've learned on the ground, the do's and don'ts, uh, the challenges we've experienced. So we want to minimize your risk of failure. And then we start the first phase. There's always three phases in our implementation. The first phase is a pilot okay. to better understand the ecosystem, to, to collect data, to see what works, what doesn't work. The second phase, it's it's a mid-expansion phase where we expand in, in, in a certain area. And also, same thing, we want to learn. And then the last phase is full expansion in the whole country. And that expansion will still require also additional partners, whether it's government that the partner will bring on board, NGOs, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how we work. 
Hmm. Interesting. So now I see why you say that you need to be really connected uh, for 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 you for 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 you to partner w- with you guys. And so, what what challenges have you faced as an entrepreneur in Rwanda? I would just say in Africa in general, because I understand like the challenges that you faced in Rwanda may not be the same challenges that you face in Uganda. So, uh, I, 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 let's just say in Africa in general, what are the challenges that you face as an entrepreneur? Um. So that's very interesting. What what we've learned that every market is different. Even, yeah. you know, Rwanda and Uganda is neighbors, but even then it's a whole different, different ball game. Yeah. So it's a different ball game. So th- this is, was the, 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 the first lesson I learned. The, the second lesson, if you want to break it down, of course, there's so many challenges I went through. Uh, I'm not going to have time to explain to all of them, but uh, Rwanda is a smaller market. Uh-huh. So it's it's a it's a less diverse market, meaning there's less competition, um, there's more control. It's a highly regulated market, also, so it's very difficult to maneuver because of regulation. At least that's been our our experience. Um, uh, but uh, Uganda, you deal with corruption. You don't have that problem in Rwanda. In 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 um, in Uganda, is very highly competitive. Uh, it's very cutthroat uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, regulation is much less. Um, and also access to funding. It's very difficult to raise capital when you operate in small markets like Rwanda. So investors want to see you in a much bigger market. Um, and those are the, 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 the different taxes is very high in Rwanda. Um, so those are those are some of the the challenges we've encountered skill sets also is it's difficult to find the right skill set in Rwanda. It's improving. Uh, it's getting better, but uh, it's still a challenge. So yeah, you, you, you encounter all those different challenges. Uh, and then I'm sure we'll encounter more as, as we grow. Oh, interesting. So what opportunities have you seen right now in Africa, especially in Rwanda? What are the opportunities that exist that we entrepreneurs can take advantage of? I mean, there's a lot of the tech space, whether it's in agricultural sector, when it's in digital uh, connectivity sector, um, digital services, the biggest opportunity. And I, I like to talk as a whole as Africa, because Rwanda is very specific. I mean, Rwanda has a lot of focus, for example, tourism is huge opportunity in tourism right now in Rwanda. Um, there's, uh, as I said, but agriculture is a big, big opportunity across Africa. Remember, Africa will be 4 billion people by the end of the century. 4 yeah. billion people. Right now, we're 1.3 billion. So agriculture is going to be the future. Not just growing food, but processing the own food. Um, and then we'll have to adapt to this global warming that is happening. So technology around, uh, there's a lot of technology growing right now where you can build uh, where you can grow food in containers and and very controlled temperature uh, um, environment. Those are the technology of tomorrow. Um, renewable energy, of course, is still a huge opportunity, um, especially with the mini grids instead of the home solar system. I mean, you know, overall Africa, at least southern, eastern, and western Africa, is a virgin market, and it's really virgin for us African. The only challenge I see is that the people that are taking advantage of those opportunities are not African. That's my yeah. only issue. 
So, 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 so that, that, that is also an, a big issue with me. Why, why do you think we are allowing that? Uh, is it because, because I've seen like, I'm from Zimbabwe, a lot of people would rather go and uh, get an office job. They are not happy but, uh, with just, you know, just starting their own business, their own company. They feel much more empowered working under somebody else. So well, well, how, how can you make those people see those opportunities that exist around us? How can we encourage a lot? Of, in other words, how can we encourage them to get into entrepreneurship? Actually, I, 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 I believe Africans, we actually very entrepreneurial. I meet so many, I, you know, I, I mentor a lot of young entrepreneurs right now. And um, uh, everywhere I've been to, man, I've met some amazing young African entrepreneurs from all over Africa. The problem is we... we we don't get the same support and resources that foreign entrepreneurs do. I've, I can't tell you how many companies I've seen, young entrepreneur, African entrepreneur, that start a business in a certain space, and then the foreign companies come in that same space and kill that young entrepreneur because they cannot compete. You cannot compete when somebody's raising millions and millions of dollars while you're only raising maybe 10000 or $20,000. It's okay. extremely difficult to compete in that space. I see, for example, I'll give you a perfect example, uh, the drone business. Drone yeah. growing tremendously right now in health, in agricultural, and there's a few uh, young entrepreneurs, young African entrepreneurs that are into that space. But you also have companies like Zipline that uh, right now they, they value at a billion dollars. They're in Rwanda and in, uh, they just started in Ghana. It's, it's going to be very difficult for anyone to compete with those guys. Um, you know, same thing I see with uh, the, the fintech space, uh, where you have uh, Opez, a Chinese company. They just raised $100 million in less than a year. How you compete with that kind of resources, you know? So, yeah. And I, 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 don't, I don't like the word blame because at the end of the day, it is, it is what it is. But at the same time, govern, our government, needs to better protect. The problem we have, African government have short-term vision. So they look at, inv they look at foreign companies bringing maybe 20 millions and say, okay, that's a great deal for us. But they don't understand in five years, 10 years, that 20 million will go back three times more back to their countries. So we have very short-term uh, uh, vision as far as our leadership in, in general in Africa. And we don't support entrepreneur uh, properly. We don't develop funding. It's improving. Rwanda has done a great job in that space. Yeah. Made in Rwanda um, has been really, uh, really great. But of course, there's still a lot more work to be done. Rwanda actually, I tried to put a, a, a fund together to help entrepreneurs. I've seen Senegal do the same. But right, I, I'm not speaking, uh, as, a, as, as far as right now, today, we're still not there yet. Uh, is it improving? Yes. Is it going to get better? Yes. But by the time it gets be better, um, are we are we still going to be competitive? Are we still going to be able to 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 um, to take over the market share we lost? And I don't want to sound like foreign companies are bad and all. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, we 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 need to empower the local. And even when foreign companies come, they need to find a way to empower. Uh, local individuals, because it, 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 the, the problem we're facing today and it's going to keep increasing is we have a young youth population. Yeah. A, a, a huge number of them are unemployed. A huge number of them are losing hope. 
You know, that's why this we talk about this migration to Europe and America. Uh, those are real facts, right? And all this could be solved if we really empower uh, the local people, you know, in different uh, areas. But things are improving, man. I'm I'm not going to say if, if it was not, if it was all bad, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have stayed. I would have left already. But things are improving for sure. I'm very optimistic uh, for the next generation. I, I like that. But uh, for the most part of it, Rwanda has been doing very well in helping uh, entrepreneurs. And the other thing that, uh, that I always ask is that a lot of people always tell me that, you know, the market in Africa is big and it's growing. But one thing that I haven't seen changing is the unemployment and the wages in Africa. People are not earning as much. And, you know, there's a high unemployment rate. So I, I don't know. As a business, what, what, what do you think? Is that going to change in the future? Oh, it's, 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 it's just going to be the same. How, 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 is it, how do you think it's going to be like in the future? Well, the, the, the main problem, the, the, the fundamental problem is the, the population growth, right? Okay. We have a huge population growth. So mm-hmm. everything that we do, the government does and all, and, and of course I'm generalizing because each government in Africa is different, but True. overall the, the population is going way faster than the impact. Um, so poverty is going to keep increasing. Uh, the, 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 the bigger problem is that government needs to change their strategies. And most countries that face those big unemployment problems is because they're not, they haven't changed their strategy. As I said, they need to put funding available for more entrepreneurs to, to, to get into the market. They need to uh, make taxes much easier because um, one of the biggest issues for young entrepreneurs today is taxes. Okay. You know, they, they, they start businesses and they realize they have all these taxes to pay and they still haven't made any money. And that, that, that our tax laws uh, are still colonial taxes, right? So yeah. we need to... We need to redesign all of our tax laws to simplify for the startups. You know, we need to put funding available. We need to uh, facilitate implementation of business in other countries. Uh, so there's a lot of things. And some of the things are, are getting addressed for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as, as long as it's not moving fast enough, then we're going to keep seeing this problem of unemployment, poverty increasing. I mean, we're going to, our population is going to be times three in less than 80 years, yeah. times three. I mean, this is massive. One out of four people, uh, no, one out of three people actually will be Af- from Africa in the world. Mm-hmm. So yeah. th- th- this is crazy, you know? And uh, the, the, uh, the, there was a stats that were talking about Lagos today is 20 million. They talk about the end of the century, they're going to be 80 million. I'm talking about a city. I ain't even talking about a country. Wow. City of 80 million. I, I'm to me, it's not possible. But at the same time, based on the rate, the, the, the growth, when you look yeah. at statistics, the numbers are crazy. The biggest city in the world will be in Africa in, a, in the next few decades. Um, nice. So the numbers are there. The, the, the strategy has to change because when, when you deal with such a massive problem, you need to rethink everything. You need to reprogram everything. You cannot just change a few things hoping that things are going to get better. Now, you got to reprogram yourself and rechange everything, you know, and, and that's what's missing right now. Oh, I get you. So what does uh, Arid need to get to the next level? What does your company need to get to the next level? Um, what does Arid need? I mean, we, 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 we keep pushing. I mean, we, we, what we, I mean, we need funding. We're in the middle of fundraising. We need to, uh, 
we need better skill sets uh, internally. I mean, we we also have a lot of internal challenges. I mean, nothing is perfect in life, and uh, we need better. We need a stronger team. We need uh, um, access to better, uh, much more, more capital, but also. We, we're looking for investors that are more engaging. Uh, another thing is um, what what we, we need to get to the next level is uh, to find an exit strategy. How are we going to get to the next level by exiting? Whether it's going public, whether it's selling to a bigger entity, those are things that we started also having conversation about. I like that. Uh, so I, 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 you have a lot of knowledge. I wonder, like, uh, what are you doing to give it back to the young youths that are in Rwanda right now, or just in, in Africa in general? Do you have a platform where you share all the uh, all the knowledge that you have learned so far through your experiences with different businesses, or do do you get to do that? Absolutely, man. I I, I post vlogs twice a week about uh, tips and how what I've learned. Uh, on all my channel, uh, I'm on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and um, uh, Instagram under my name, my personal name, Henri Nyakarundi with an I. And then, um, yeah, I share tips. I do mentorships. I do a lot of conferences. Uh, I'm part of uh, two boards of uh, startup companies where I help them also uh, share my knowledge. I mean, I truly believe, and that's also one of the things we're missing about among us African. Yeah. If we don't stick together and share our knowledge, we're not going to make it. And like what, it. What, 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 what I see a lot going on um, is we don't do that. We, everybody keep their own knowledge, their own connection. I mean, what, what shocked me the most, because I left in 96, came back in 2013. So I, it took me a long it took me some time to reprogram myself. But what was shocked me the most is, you know, when you we 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 have a problem, and I'm generalizing, yes, but a lot of time we have a problem sharing our network, and that I, I never understood that, and to this day I still don't understand that. When you go to a to a, a someone uh, share the network or connect and all, it, it's a whole process. We we need to stick together. We need to help each other. We uh, you know because. It, it, it will have a trickle down effect on everyone, you know, it's, and, yeah. and it's, it's a fact. It, yeah, it's the, nothing new that I'm saying. It's a fact. The thing is that as Africans, we have that kind of selfishness where we're not trying to help the brother that's next to us because we don't understand that, as you said, it trickles down. We don't understand that, you know, that guy that you're going to introduce to this guy, he might build a great business and need you in the future. And you remember, you're like, oh, this is the guy that helped me to introduce me to this guy. And, you know, it's, it's going to help you at the, at the end. But as Africans, we look at, like, what is he doing for me now? That's, that's the thing that we look at. And we don't, we don't even, from my experience, a lot of, because my experience in Africa, a lot of Africans are not willing to, to help you in terms of, like, a connection in business or introduce you to somebody. But being in the States, like, I, I've stayed in Vegas. Just being in Vegas, I'll just meet somebody out for coffee and just tell them what I'm working on. And they'll be like, oh, I know this guy. Let me introduce you. But, you know, I just exactly. met this person and they're willing to introduce me to someone in their network. So I, I hope yep. that's where we're going. That's where we, we're going uh, towards as Africans. But I appreciate your time, man. Thanks for doing this with me. I, I enjoyed doing it. No problem, man. Thanks for the opportunity. And uh, let's keep in touch. Hi, this is Todd Tomondo. 
I understand that entrepreneurship can be difficult and stressful sometimes. I decided to make it less stressful and less complicated by creating different courses that can help you succeed in business. In the courses, we discuss topics such as raising money for your first business, finding mentors, how to overcome rejection in business, how to use social media to find business partners and customers and other people that can help your business. We discuss a lot of important entrepreneurship topics. The link to the courses is available in each and every podcast description. I hope my courses will be helpful and I good luck in all your business endeavors. Thank you.